Hey everyone, I'm your host Amanda and this is Light It Up. I'm joined by Max Heldon for When the Lights Go Out, our final part in this podcast series covering how the profession and Lighthouse Keeper Life ended. Max, this is it. This is the final episode of this podcast series. We've made it to the end. What could possibly mm-hmm. be in store in this final episode? I'm just, I'm, I need some pure injection of optimism, Mandy, because you're right, the last couple of episodes, it's sad that, um, you know, so many people have um, had to say goodbye to their, their profession and indeed lost a little part of their identity. We just cannot leave the listeners hanging on that note. It is not all doom and, and gloom, even though, you know, they're probably feeling pretty bummed out now, as you say, about lighthouses. As with there being light on our coastline, there is light at the end of this episode. Let's take a listen to these hopeful views for the future of lighthouses. I reckon in Australia that um, we've done remarkably well to keep as much of the heritage as we have in Australia. We're in a, a pretty good state compared to some countries, not as good as some. South Africa is a shining example of where heritage is, incre- heritage is incredibly respected, and that includes in town planning, by the way. Um, we've got a real knock-it-down attitude in Australia. Um, oh, it's old and done, we'll knock it down. Um, mm. And, you know, I think, uh, and I'm tying this in because I think that's where groups like Lower friends groups, Mm -hmm. Uh, and the general lighthouse community, including, I've got to tell you, the uh, lighthouse service employees would be the strongest conservationist you'd ever meet, 99% of them. There's always a few, I suppose, in every organisation or group that might dissent a little bit. But we've all got the same thing in mind, is that we want to try and maintain and keep, you know, a good slice of our heritage because otherwise Mm -hmm. it'll be gone and, Lighthouses were such an important um, uh, part of Australia's history in in the nation's development, and they're a large part of all the visible maritime history we've got. That's a great point. Yeah. Other than um, potentially shipwrecks at the bottom of the ocean, there might yeah, be well, the average person can't go visit a shipwreck, but the, the average person can go and walk up a lighthouse tower. And I've probably run. I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said I've taken 10,000 people through the point perpendicular tower. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it for 20 years and um, uh, people really appreciate, um, you know, even someone that just wants to get to the balcony at the top of the tower and look. When they get up there, I don't think I've ever struck anyone that hasn't just looked around at the structure. You know, they mightn't have the same level of appreciation that, you know, someone that really loves lighthouses stuff. But, mm. you know, this, they still do appreciate that that, that um, object is there to be um, to be enjoyed and to be appreciated for what it is, which is a vital piece of um, Australia's history and, um, and our heritage. We, we don't want to go back to the 70s when... You know, they were like, the 70s were a really bad decade for like, um, as far as heritage is concerned, because so many lighthouses and lighthouse keepers quarters disappeared. And I'm afraid it's not only in Australia, but elsewhere as well. So I hope we are not going to go back to that for, for the purpose of economizing or, or because something seems to be obsolete, let's get rid of it. So 
Uh, but I don't think it's danger anymore. I think hopefully there are a lot, lot of people who won't let that happen anymore. Yeah, we've got a huge coastline, the whole of Australia, and then you've got, you know, the offshore islands and the reefs. So, um, yeah, being an island nation, importing and exporting, um, yeah, light has have that very important role still to play. It's got a history, but it's it's got a future as well as as an operational um, lighthouse. That's a lovely way of putting it. One of the stories yeah. we've been you're covering during this podcast is, you know, what is the future of lighthouses? And Cape Lewin seems to be almost a success story for how this particular lighthouse has evolved, as you say, um, to find a place for itself in the future in the form of, you know, a cafe and a tourist spot. It was all pretty basic when I came out. Amsa still had the grounds. Um, a lot of the buildings were asbestos. Um, so they were looking at handing the grounds to somebody else because the lighthouse was operational. They didn't need the keepers' cottages and the grounds. So it was given to the state, the grounds and houses, and then that was four years later leased to the Tourist Association and were not-for-profit. But we'd been the people – that's the association I'd worked for when I got employed – so we sort of had a presence doing basic tours. Uh, then once we signed a lease, we were able to get grants and remove the asbestos, uh, put a cafe visitor centre in one of the cottages. Now we've got a really great interactive museum, theatrette. I understand you're the Queensland representative of LOA. In your role, what are the main uh, goals you're trying to achieve to keep the Lighthouse story alive? Most of we trying to do what we can to protect them, I suppose. Um, and that's why we've, we've been working with Ray and the guys out of Cape Cleveland to try and you know, get those houses back up to a standard where they can be used and, and maintained and lived in. More about just that, yeah, just trying to promote that we do have a, uh, that the, there is a history in Australia around lighthouses. You know, everyone sees the, the lighthouses over in the North Sea, you know, the, the Stevenson ones, the Bell Rocks and all that, and they see that. Our lighthouse history is totally different. You know, they're, they're not the same. Yes, there's some ones out there that are extremely rugged and the, the lifestyle on them was you know, was pretty hard. Um, but it's, it is totally different and it's a bit unique. You know, a lot of the lighthouses that are in Australia were built and designed for Australian conditions. The cast iron ones and, and the other ones, they were designed just for Australia. You won't see them anywhere else in the world. So we need to do more to protect that. And that's what um, I suppose Lower is about, is trying to preserve that history and, and help people realise that there is a um, is a history around the lighthouses of Australia and, and try and keep that going. Uh, I'm a realist. I know that it's impossible to save every light. But I'll tell you what, you only got 130 or so heritage lights in Australia I definitely argue that it, it just from you know the appreciation and the heritage aspects and the visitation aspects, it's worth keeping those lights, and it's worth keeping the fresnel lenses, and it's worth keeping despite the dangers of mercury. The dangers are incredibly low. Um, you know, you've got more chance of serious injury driving your car to the light than what you do from the mercury that's in the bottom of it, and they require such infrequent maintenance. I, I've certainly done my bit to try and make sure we maintain what we can of that older technology as well. So we've got you know, plenty of examples to, to view and understand and to appreciate. That is a bright future. And as long as, as there are people like you and me and, you know, all the people who 
uh, members of Lighthouses of Australia and friends of Lighthouses and who are willing to sacrifice money and their time and efforts, uh, then I think, uh, I think that we can do it. Maybe we can, you know, I think maybe, uh, I think it's mainly people who need to look after them. The governments can help to a certain extent, but I reckon uh, to rely on government is not a good strategy. They can only help us by some legislation, but to expect too much from the government is, uh, I think, expecting too much, yeah. So I think it's people like us and we can do it. We have to put effort in it and just um, try the hardest we can and we can save them. With AMSA, I'm pretty sure you could say that they've got a great awareness and they're really looking after their lighthouses. Um, the ones that the state look after, um, I believe there was some work done at Bathurst. That's the second lighthouse at Rottnest. North and South Mole at Fremantle are in really good condition. Um, so pretty much, I know Bunbury, which is Bunbury Port Authority, Casherina Point, that just did a, a major um, sort of, I suppose, works maintenance works on that last year. So it seems like uh, the various levels of government that have lighthouses that are operating seem to look after them. I hope they will still be there. Um, it's the generation after after us old folks go that's got to do the uh, to keep them there. I don't think they'll be taken away. I think they'll still be there. It's, it happens in America. They they close lighthouses off in America completely, but they've re-established them um, to make them part of their history. Do you have a, I guess, a, a future gen, uh, a message for future generations of, you know, the future lighthouse nuts out there uh, in terms of, you know, why should they get involved? What yeah, is well, the that, value of lighthouses? That's another problem because nearly all these committees, and if you talk to some of them, you'll notice we're all in the older age group. Um, even our friends groups, there's very few young people. We've seen how effective volunteer groups can be to be keeping them going. But I think it's clear, at least from my perspective, given what we know about the ages of the volunteers and the passage of time, it really is up to this next generation to have an interest in lighthouses. Otherwise, I think quite quickly we will see them not be kept up. Well, you've certainly you're certainly doing your bit with this podcast, aren't you, Mandy? <laughs> That's right, shining a light. That's what I do, spotlighting uh, lighthouses and their plight. Because I think, as mentioned by you know many people, and as we will hear, it's a genuine concern about the number of people as well as their ages in terms of who is actually keeping these lighthouses alive. And this, yeah, this podcast, I guess, is almost a call to action to see what we as a community or, you know, the community around each lighthouses can do. And I think to date we've heard a lot about how volunteers are literally doing the maintenance, like literally doing the painting and the gardening and whatnot. But I think there's probably other ways that, you know, people that's not, you know, in anybody's wheelhouse to be climbing a ladder and painting a lighthouse. There's definitely other ways people can people can get involved and show their support, at least from afar. So Let's listen to these couple of other suggestions for how you can get involved. First up, 
getting some lighthouses on the Heritage Register if they're not already, or Airbnb. Airbnb them. Would you pay to stay in a lighthouse, for example, as an Airbnb experience? Oh, absolutely. I'm always in. I'm always down for a niche Airbnb. Premium, premium position, ultimate privacy and uh, nature views. So, uh, yeah, let's take a look. The next topic I wanted to chat to you about briefly was your involvement in the Heritage Council of Victoria. And I'm particularly interested in how the process by which certain structures are um, deemed to be of heritage value, but also the secondary question of then whose responsibility it is to ensure that they are maintained? Sure, yeah. I mean, so there's there's different levels of significance of places, I guess you could say. Um, you can have places of heritage significance that are local, and so that would be places that the local community think are important to them that kind of tell the story of that local community, and those are great things to, to be able to have, and those are normally um, managed and coordinated by local councils. Local councils are the ones who determine which places go on their local heritage register. Once you then go to talking about, well, what are the places where it's not just about the local community, it's actually a broader group that find connections to this place, to find it significant, and so it becomes of state-level significance. Those are things that are managed by the Heritage Council of Victoria. And that is a group of us who've been appointed by the minister, and we are the ones who do get to decide which places are deemed to be of state-level significance. And there's various criteria that we use to kind of determine that. You have to kind of fit into these different criteria, whether it's because it was associated with someone who was very famous, is it associated to a particular event, is it about a particular community and how they use that place, is it a particular architectural style that's very important, Um, does it relate to um, a particular place that's quite rare, that there's not very many of that type of thing left. And so that's why we might want to protect it. And so we have to go through that kind of criteria to decide does a certain place meet that criteria? And if so, then it becomes part of uh, the Heritage Register of Victoria. And so it has a special status in that uh, you can't do anything to it without a permit. Uh, You need to actually seek permission if you want to change it, if you want to go and put in a new bathroom or you want to go and, you know, paint it, you need to go and then seek that permission. Um, and that's then there can be arguments about what is allowed and not allowed, and that's also something that we as the Heritage Council then have to determine if there is a dispute over whether or not certain additions or changes to a heritage place should happen or not. Um, and so that's then the other role of the Heritage Council. Uh, but it's ultimately up to the owner of the place to make sure that it is kept up um, and it is maintained in accordance with you know, its, its status as being part of the, uh, the, the Victorian Heritage Register. I know quite a few lighthouses have been deemed of heritage status. I'm not sure if that is a, you know, local or state or national designation, but it comes down to, you know, once it's been of heritage status, depending on how large the building is, it can be quite hefty to maintain, you know, and and you mentioned that it's up to the owner or, the, you know, the organisation that is responsible for it to maintain its upkeep. Are there ever any issues with where, you know, the owner doesn't actively do anything and it falls into disrepair? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely can be instances where that happens. Um, and I've just had a, had a check for you. I know that on our most recent strategic plan for the Heritage Council of Victoria, on the front page of our strategic plan, uh, we have Shortlands Bluff White Lighthouse, which is uh, registered on the, uh, the Heritage Register. So there's definitely some of them there. It's actually, as I said, featured on the very front cover of our strategic plan. So um, obviously seen of great importance there. Um, there is an issue, though, of course, whereby if things are, you know, no one's actively trying to destroy a place, but it's just kind of left to disrepair, um, there, are, there are mechanisms within the heritage legislation to say, well, no, you can't just leave it, you can't just abandon it and have it just deteriorate. You can actually be forced to do works on it, and if you won't do the work, then there's certain ways you can go about where the works will just get done and you'll ultimately be responsible for the cost of those works. So there are mechanisms, uh, especially once something is being seen of state-level significance, that uh, it can, it's going to be taken care of. What I'm thinking about is lighthouses that are have, have fallen into disrepair but are not of heritage status, but, for example, if repaired, they could be or should be. Is there a way of, of dealing with that situation? The actual current state of it doesn't necessarily dictate whether it should be on the Heritage Council register or not. Like it could have deteriorated, um, and but you could still put forward a case to say that even though this is deteriorated, it still has enough present to tell the story of that place. So it could go on the register, and then once it's on the register, that's also a mechanism to be able to seek funding to get the repairs done that it needs to be done. So I think it's important to point out that it doesn't have to be in pristine condition before it can go on the Heritage Register. Um, and that can actually be a mechanism for helping it uh, to get to get to that pristine status if that's what was what was the right thing for that type of place. Um, so I think that's an, an important point to make. Commercial nearby B and D, B and B, or whatever you like to call them. But uh, that's what's happened to some of our light stations in New South Wales: Byron and Sugarloaf and Smoky, and uh, even Nora Hill, I believe. And also, I think another uh, way open the lighthouse is to to people, to tourists, make use of them. If they can't be used as a navigation aid, they can be used as a museum or tourist attraction or whatever. We need to find some purpose for them as well. Finding the next purpose of the lighthouses, I love that idea. It sounds like that there are already budding uh, budding purposes, so, you know, tourist attractions, museums, yeah. but, you know, what will really stick to make them all, uh, keep them all maintained. And then finally. We have Lighthouses of Australia Association Incorporated, who, without their support, this podcast definitely would not have happened. Uh, they are the premier, the one and only Lighthouse Association in Australia who bring together all the various Lighthouse community interest groups. And they have things like, Tours of lighthouses. Their website is fantastic if you ever want to read up about individual lighthouses. You can be a member and that will entitle you to their quarterly magazine. Would you have a, have a guess as to uh, what their magazine might be called, Max? Oh, okay. Um, it is lighthouse uh, related, hot tip. Uh, okay. Uh, what about It's a Gas or um, The Light and Times? I'll give them that idea for their next one, but it's called Prism. Their quarterly magazine is called Prism. Love that. Uh, edited by 
Jess Clifford and Ian Clifford, who we have heard from multiple times during this series. So let's take a listen to Jess on how to get involved in the Lighthouses of Australia Association. My name's Jessica Clifford and I'm the editor of the Prism Lighthouse magazine for Lighthouses of Australia. Sure, it sounds like lighthouse management and preservation is a it's a patchwork really of organizations and it is. interest groups coming at it, like you say, from different angles, from the as a navigational aid efficiency to a well, the only really maybe tangible part of that history left um, that's still standing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It is, I think that's a really good way to phrase it. It is a patchwork of um, people who are who are helping to maintain it and everybody sort of has their own interests. So AMSA obviously wants the lighthouse itself to be flashing because that's the role that they play for shipping. Councils want them to look nice because they're tourist destinations and because it draws people in. And I guess, you know, you're talking about an Anzac logo, I suppose in their defence, it, uh, it was certainly a, a beautiful uh, photography location. Um, and then obviously you've got the people that really just want to preserve the history and and just are passionate about maintaining the lighthouses in their original form. So, yeah, it's a real patchwork and a real joint effort. And I think for the most part it works quite well. And I think that's I think I could say that fairly broadly across Australia, you know, in general terms. I mean, I know the Tasmanian government, for example, with Matt Syker sends people out to keep it and maintain the grounds and do the gardening and you know there's groups like the friends of Matt Syker group that get a little bit of government funding for what they do so yeah it, it does all sort of work together I think in in the best possible way you could expect it to and I think it's unrealistic to say that you know it's um, a huge priority for government to to maintain these structures but you know it's uh it's important to some people and I think that's with any cause you know, you have a core group of passionate people and that's sort of what keeps it going. And you mentioned the Lighthouse community of volunteers. So there are actually only a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of hundred people. Um, who are these magical volunteers that are keeping the lighthouses lit at least once a weekend a year? Yeah, well, it's a really eclectic mix of people. Uh, I think predominantly older people, but not all of them are older. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm only in my 30s. I know the secretary of the association's not even 30 yet. So there's a couple of us young ones in there. But I think there's a couple of different categories of people. You've got people that used to work for, uh, you know, AMSA or the Commonwealth in lighthouse-related roles, you know, whether it's as keepers or as maintenance men or, or whatever. Um, you've got those sort of people who are just very keen and to keep the history alive and just interested because that was their their line of work. Um, then you've also got this group of people that love photographing them. And, you know, let's be honest, like they're some of the most photographic locations in the world. So I think it really attracts uh, people that that are interested in, in sort of coastal photography and that kind of thing. Um, and obviously the nicer looking the lighthouse, the better your photos are going to be. And then I think there's also a group of people, which I probably fall into this category, that are just interested because every lighthouse you're going to go to is inevitably just going to be in a in a stunning location. And visiting them is just a bit of fun. It's just a really fun thing to go and do. And, um, you know, I think it would be such a shame to see all the history lost. I mean, I know we'll, we'll touch on it, but, you know, these, these places have such a rich and varied history. Um, 
yeah, it'd be a shame to to kind of lose that, I think. So I think there's those sort of categories of people that, that are looking to keep it running and they do a great job. I mean, they're all volunteers. So yeah, you can't sort of ask for much, much more than that. I mean, there are obviously government bodies that um, fund maintenance on the lighthouses and uh, you know, sort of pay to have them repainted every now and again or look after the grounds. But I think in terms of keeping the history going, compiling that history uh, and and pushing for those sort of maintenance jobs, lobbying for it is uh, is this group of volunteers that just love lighthouses. I think you mentioned, you know, the lighthouse alumni community is, you know, one part of uh, the lighthouse community who are maintaining these lighthouses. Um, I guess essentially once their generation has gone, you know, what do you think the future of lighthouses is after the last keepers? Um, are there new keepers, you know, at least people who have interest in them who are keeping this story alive like yourself? Um, who would they be? Mm, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a concern. I think, like I said to you, the majority of people that are part of our organisation, at least, are sort of in those older age brackets. But, you know, I certainly think there's people that are passionate about the history of them. Um, but it's a really good question. And it's one that definitely weighs on my mind. You know, once these keepers are gone, um, I mean, we've hopefully tried to collect their stories and that history, but then really all that's left is the history books. And I I think, you know, it's really easy to be passionate about it when you're talking to ex-keepers and they're telling you these stories, but I'm not sure it would hold quite the same appeal if you were just reading it, you know, in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years time. So it's something that plays on my mind. I think there are some younger people coming through, you know, yes, I'm I'm passionate about um, the history of them and, and obviously their locations and maintaining them. But in terms of the, the technical aspect, um, I don't have those sort of technical skills to keep a lighthouse, I suppose. Um, you know, somebody like my dad can um, get a lens to work and he can reinstall lenses and he can keep a lighthouse, whereas I, I can't do that. And, um, yeah, I don't know what will happen. It will be an interesting journey, I think. If people are interested in in getting involved or they're passionate about lighthouse history, uh, we have an organisation in Australia. It's called Lighthouses of Australia, LOA is the abbreviation. And we've actually just uh, redone our website. So it's a bit of a, a library of information. You can look up most of the lighthouses around Australia, find out, you know, their facts and figures, get their flashing sequences and things like that. Um, but there's also a passionate committee and we always, always welcome people that want to join. So uh, getting involved is pretty easy. You just go to lighthouses.org.au and uh, you can have a bit of a, a play with the website and there's, you know, buttons you can press to join the association. I think it's just a small fee and all that goes back into preserving lighthouses. And we also have uh, Prism. So if you join up, you can get the Prism magazine and you can get it either by email or mailed to you because it's always fun to have things mailed to you still. So, uh, yeah, there's that way to get involved. But also, you know, if you are living near a lighthouse, certainly double check. Often uh, they have friends of lighthouses groups. So if you're near a lighthouse, uh, your lighthouse may well have a group like that that helps maintain it and garden and paint and look after cottages and things like that. So if that's something you're interested in, that's always an option as well. 
So really, the stories, there is no end to the creativity to which you can engage with to raise awareness, to preserve, protect, and promote lighthouses. What would be some of your ideas in terms of this? How would you save lighthouses, Max? Putting your marketing hat on. What do you think? What would be, what, what do you think would appeal to the youth uh, in terms of their interactions with lighthouses? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're they're a pretty amazing canvas um, for you know ideas and for thoughts. I would love to see some lighthouses redecorated in the same way that you see old industrial areas, um, you know, designed with street art and reused and repurposed for new and exciting benches. So. I think that really the only limit is is people's imagination. And so, you know, as we've already covered a few times, lighthouses do capture imagination really beautifully and, and they're in places that, you know, you uh, would you want to go to. So I think it can be hard. I think one of the challenges that you always have is, as you said, these lighthouse keepers are from a, a different generation and getting people that are younger excited about it means sort of giving up some uh, legacy and some autonomy but by in doing so you kind of create a new legacy um, and so that's probably part of the way forward. I think you've just hit the nail on the head there Max because the whole question is given you don't need lighthouses for navigation anymore what is the role and purpose of lighthouses going into the future and their relevance to people and they really do have to reinvent themselves into their the appeal to people these days and I think we see some lighthouses that have done that quite successfully particularly the ones nearer to metropolitan centers where you know Cape Shank there's probably a visitor center there some kind of museum you can do a tour and that benefits from proximity to lots of people but what about mm. all those other lighthouses that are you know just in a small town or not even near a town how do they yeah how do how do they survive yeah um, things like I mean you know Podcasts like this and and initiatives like a, that you've, we've already heard described, I suppose earlier, go a real way to making you reconsider that. You know, I I want to go to way more lighthouses than I ever did before listening to this podcast and being a part of it. Um, and you know, for me, it's always about the stories. You know, what what first attracted you to this podcast in the first place was a story um, that was incomplete. Uh, and so going to these lighthouses, completing the story, making the lighthouses part of your own narrative, um, you know, that's the way that they get meaning and that's the way that they continue. We need to make them Instagrammable maybe to appeal to the next generation. <laughs> you think back to uh, the episode in part nine with Peter Hill and how he talked about this phenomenon of lighthouse bagging, so going around and visiting every single lighthouse. That you can could be a thing. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a list. Are you, can you imagine if I got a little lighthouse passport and could uh, tick them off inside? Uh, that would be fantastic. The business idea right there, Max. Keep that one off this podcast, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> cut that out, cut that out. And, of course, perhaps maybe the way forward really is, as you know, Cara and I discussed again in part nine, is maybe we just have to get Peter Hill that emoji of a lighthouse. What annoys me is with emojis that you get now on your iPhone, but the, um, the standard set of emojis that you get doesn't have a lighthouse on it. Maybe that's the way to promote them best. Great point. I mean, it's done wonders for the eggplant. So there you go. The new form of communication and marketing is emojis. <laughs> 
So true. I've been telling everybody about the first episode with um with Mr. Gribble. So oh, that is a great oh, uh, great uh, great harkening back to episode one where we were talking about Mr. Gribble and his crazy ideas for how to bring back a lighthouse. Maybe he wasn't so far off in his amusement park ponderings. Yeah, we've really ended up where we started. Mr. Gribble was right. He's vindicated villain. How do you feel, Max? How do you feel at the end of this whole series? I, I feel honoured to be a part of it. I uh, learnt, as I said, way more about lighthouses than I ever expected to. But, you know, so many of the elements of this story resonate um, around so many elements of just the modern condition, really. You think about how I, I think the future for lighthouses really is around this sort of localization that I think people more and more as we've become more globalized as a society and as technology has, you know, pushed us further and further, we take solace in things that are local that have a story and a history and something that we can connect to in the physical space. And so I think there will always be a place for, for lighthouses and for, you know, stories like this. It's, um, it's really heartwarming to, you know, feel uh, a small part of a community um, that has stayed together for such a long time. And so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so glad I got to go on the journey. That's beautiful, Max. Bringing the local back, taking pride in your local community and surrounds. Love that message. Yeah, and give me that lighthouse emoji. <laughs> give you that lighthouse emoji. That's the number one, uh, number one agenda item. Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Max. And, of course, Thanks to the listeners if you've made it this far and have uh, diligently listened to every episode and get every reference we've been making to other episodes. Well done. If you happen to be joining us for the first time, welcome to this series. It's almost a spoiler alert if you've just <laughs> come right to the chase down here. But, of course, we must end with not only the motto of the Lighthouses of Australia Association, which is preserve, protect, promote lighthouses, but as we've heard a couple of people say throughout this series, keep the light burning. That's all we can do, Max. Keep the light burning. So just keep it burning. Keep it going. Keep the light burning. Keep the light burning. Keep the light burning. Thank you to my countless interviewees and the expertise, insights and experiences that they've shared along this journey. Thank you to my family, my friends and my partner, James, for their unwavering support in this long process. Thank you to the Lighthouses of Australia Association, their committee members and their members and many others without whom this podcast would not have been possible. Thanks, of course, to my co-hosts, Zoe O'Connor, Lucy Della, Georgia Egan Griffiths, Max Halden, Mark, Caroline Ma, Gus McDonald, and Anna Newen for the entertainment and storytelling. Finally, thank you to you, the listener. You may still be left standing or sitting or however you're listening to this podcast for making it through this marathon journey for the end. I'm your host, Amanda, and this has been Light It Up. Thanks for listening.
thank you for dressing up for the occasion, Del. Really appreciate oh, I'm, it. I'm in my pyjamas and I'm okay with that. For the record, we have a diverse co-host roster, including the face <laughs> of radio. Unfortunately, you cannot see on a podcast. <laughs> I love I love how uh, that's not going to translate on a on a on a audio only podcast. He's a guy with a biblical name, Mark. He's he sounds Australian, but trust me, he's he's diverse. What made you choose lighthouses? Well, yeah, I'm just everyone's just like, why is Mandy doing a podcast on lighthouses? Oh, okay, I guess I should say something. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm done. I'm I'm done. <laughs> You're done. Can you see me? Oh, Jesus, there I am. Hey, everyone. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is Light It Up. That's the name of the podcast, by the way. <laughs> I've already bought the domain name, so hopefully no one else owns copyright to it. <laughs> You're going to be not only bread leg, but biscuit girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus <laughs> Christ. What have I done? <laughs> Bant, are we talking before the interviews? And am I supposed to pretend that I don't know what's about to come up? Hello, Clubhub. Hi. Sorry. Yes, I'm Clubhub. <laughs> yeah, I, I, reckon I could sound like this as uh, we just do an episode like that. I actually got a filling in today and the whole left side of my face was actually numb. And that's oh. what I imagined you would actually feel like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'm just, it's so interesting, this lighthouse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm not sure if you can hear. I might have to pause for a second to feed my cat. Aura! You're being annoying. Yeah. You're being a very annoying. Um, that was a seamless segue into the lens. <laughs> well done. I was blown away. <laughs> I just like, is that what it really sound like? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for confirming, Adam. <laughs> oh, gee, what are you going to do with that? You want to put that on there? Yes. You be, you be careful how much of this rubbish you put on there. Very clearly, very, sorry, it's very clearly very. <laughs> this is how the sausage gets made. <laughs> was that mean? I feel like, was that rude? Should I not have said that? And no, uh, no. I just... I just feel like the the real the real joy is going to be you having to edit a bunch of us beeping and booping into the into the microphones <laughs> to do Morse code text messaging. Beep beep beep. Beep 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 what are you going to do with them? I what's a podcast? I, I I've been asking around. You know, my my technology has gone a little bit beyond beyond my is a bit beyond my scope now. Uh, podcast. What's a podcast? So where I'm at is there are thirty episodes split. Thirty episodes <laughs> into ten parts. My God, nobody ever told you about a pilot episode, did they? No, <laughs> like just the going all in. Pilot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's it. That's a wrap. Nice. Light. House. Light. 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 House. Light house.
Lighthouse. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> I've been a long time listener. I really love your work. <laughs>